Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. Karen, tell everyone why we're so excited today. Well, I've been waiting for this moment for, I feel like, for the last seven years of my life. Our special guest this morning is Patricia Evans. Good morning, Patricia. Oh, good morning, Kelly and Karen. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure and honor to be on your show. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Yeah, um, Patricia is actually phoning in from the States. We've got her on Google Hangouts, so there may be a little bit of static, but we're hoping everyone can empathize because we can't wait to share her with everyone. Patricia, where are you calling from in the States? Yeah, I'm over here just east of San Francisco in California. Oh. <laughs> wow. We're having a little bit of your weather. <laughs> Not a lot, but a little bit. A little bit. It's, it's varies. Down the coast and in the central areas of California, there are fires, and way up north there's fires, but uh, it's pretty mellow right now. It's going to just, it'll probably hit 84 here, but it's cool at night, which is always great. Good. It's about 57 degrees at 54 degrees at night. Mm -hmm. So Patricia, I'm going to start for, and I know a lot of our listeners already know about you, Yeah, they're well aware of the books that you have written. Both Kelly and I refer to to your books to you in private personal sessions with people in group sessions and on our podcast show on a very regular basis. But for you're welcome. It's our pleasure, actually. But I'm going to go through and just list the books that you have authored. And I'm going Mm -hmm. to give them in an order that you asked me to, and I'm just going to let you explain to people what you said earlier to us this morning about how this this order is important for the reader. So there's sure. the view, verbally abusive relationship, survivors speak out, mm-hmm. third is controlling people, fourth is the verbally abusive man, can he change, five is victory over verbal abuse, and your sixth book, is Teen Torment. And that one's out of print, so it'll be redone into a whole different thing. The I must uh, kind of acknowledge that I did battle for getting that title off it, but it was one the publishers want. I said no one will buy it. I was a bestseller, of course. Wow. I'd been on Oprah and all that, and nobody bought it. And I had fought for, it was the first time I felt cortisol in my body. I was so stressed. I would call, I'd email, I'd beg, please don't call it teen torment. Mm -hmm. Nobody bought it. So it's out of print. So the, uh, so that will, it will be a book covering much of that material or all of it even, but it'll be into two books. One about taking care of kids at home and one about school. So really, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So that that's uh, what'll happen. Okay, <laughs> I had oh. to tell the battle. <laughs> well, well yeah. you know what? We can say thank you for your battle. Mm-hmm. We yeah. want you, we want you to feel our appreciation on behalf of us and and listeners that when you battle for something like that, that we're the ones that benefit. So thank you. Yeah. So I got the rights to it back, <laughs> and so that's why I'm Good. revising everything and turning it into two. It'll be wonderful. I hope. Good. I think. Okay. 
And I ask people to read the books in the order you mentioned so that first they recognize what a verbally abusive relationship is, but then in the survivor's book they get inspired to learn to trust themselves and to move forward in their life and to gain confidence. In controlling people they find out for the first time, I could say that because I got so many letters from psychologists and so forth saying they'd tried everything, read everything, had no idea why this was going on in a relationship, why somebody was being put down all the time, and defined negatively. That's really what it is. And then the verbally abusive man, can he change, is about a way to confront the person who indulges in verbal abuse. It doesn't say verbally abusive woman because there's a very small number about, oh, 97% of the people I hear from are women who are targeted with verbal abuse. And then about uh, 2 or 3% are men who are facing really very severe verbal abuse, and they will contact me. So anyway, and then the, the, the last book to read at this point is Victory Over Verbal Abuse, and that is to uh, reverse any time you notice a negative thought. It's called an internalized negative voice, like, oh, I probably won't to be able to do this or I don't think this will work out or I mess up all the time or something. Any negative thought, how to reverse it, how to build yourself up with affirmations and keep a record and also some ways you can speak to yourself and some a process you can do that's very effective so you don't feel alone. So those are all contained in the Victory Over Verbal Abuse book. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. In the Verbally Abusive Relationship and Controlling People, which are the two books you picked for us to chat with you about during this podcast show, both Kelly Mm -hmm. and I read those books so that we could, well, (laughs) Patricia, in all honesty, I think I have read the Verbally Abusive Relationship six times. Mm -hmm. Wow. I've heard that before, too. It's amazing. Uh, People will carry it around and go back and look at things and yeah, I just I guess because it's such a new way to look at things that uh what's going on and they are so used to thinking I must have said something wrong. I must have made my mate mad, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh not really realizing that it's really irrational behavior they're hearing. Well, and trying to I I remember just spending so much try, time trying to understand it. I I wasn't so much focused on what I was supposed to do with it. Mm-hmm. I was always trying to understand what they were doing or what was happening. I just yeah. remember always being in states of confusion and apologizing. Yeah. yeah, confusion is the final is the main outcome I have in that book. Becoming confused because uh, and one of the things I'll mention up here right now is that. When women try to explain, I wasn't trying to start a fight. I wanted you to know why I asked you, like, when you'd be back, because I didn't want to have dinner get dried out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anything they say when they try to explain, they're always told, uh, you know, uh, all you want to do is argue, or you're always complaining. And they try and try and try to explain. Mm -hmm. So I have a very fabulous response to anything you hear so you don't have to explain again because people will spend just a big part of their life trying to explain to the person who is saying this negative thing to them. So if you'd like to hear it, I'll tell you what it is. Oh, heck yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, 
you know, if someone says, oh, you think this, or you want to argue, you need to get help, you need therapy, you know, these are all negative comments. So if uh, someone says that, like you just want to find something to complain about, rather than explain, that's not what I want. I'm just asking you when you'll be back, or whatever you're saying, you try to explain. So stop all explaining and simply say, Oh, darling, or honey, or Joe, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You aren't me, and you aren't God, so you don't know what I want. If you'd like to know what I want, please ask me. And you can add, with your happy voice, if you're really upset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Disarming. Just ask me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you don't know what I want. You don't know what I think. You're not me, you're not God. You don't know what I need. You don't know any, all these things you hear. You are, you think, you want, you know, you don't know, you should. Uh, all that are ir- irrational comments. And so you always can say, guess what? You're not me and you're not God. So you don't know what I want or think or feel, whatever. And then you go ahead and say, you can always ask me. Mm-hmm. And so that answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And it's letting him know that what he's saying is like he's pretending to be you because he can't stand on his own two feet, really. He has to pretend to be you and know what you think and want. Mm-hmm. Oh, people need to hear that one. That's really mm-hmm. th- that's really big. Can you repeat mm-hmm. the, Can you repeat that part, Patricia? The last yeah, part, okay. please. That last part. Yeah, he he can't seem to stand on his own two feet. He he has a need to be there within you, telling you what you want and think and feel and so forth, because he's just not able to stand on his own two feet. He's he's got a a damaged psyche and that's what my programs are about when I help these people understand that they've just said irrational crazy things and they felt okay because they had such a massive amount of themselves projected or over there in their partner's psyche Mm -hmm. they didn't feel crazy to say you want to argue you know they didn't feel crazy to say you need therapy they didn't feel crazy to say these things because they just were saying them because, like they knew, because they were basically projected into the other person. And by the way, one other part to it is they are always feeling attacked when their partner doesn't match their projection. Oh, yes. I liked that part. I, mm-hmm. I loved how you explained that. Can you go into that a little bit more for people? Yeah, yeah. It's like this. Um, a person who's indulging in verbal abuse is do, with a partner uh, is doing so because they feel like they know how that partner should be or they expect or know she's going to like walk over and say, can I help you with the cooking? A man called me and told me, I just read Controlling People and now I know why I threw my wife to the ground. And I said, what happened? Well, it turns out that he realized that his projection was going to walk over and say, hi, can I help you with the cooking? Because he'd started cooking up because he loved to cook. He had all the burners going and so forth. And then his wife came in. They both said hi. And then she looked down at the mail, and he threw it to the floor. He didn't know why. But when he read Controlling People, he realized Mm -hmm. that it was because he had this knowing almost well, totally like a knowing that she would walk over and say, hi, can I help you with the cooking? But she looked down at the mail. So half of him was gone. His Uh whole projection, the whole part of him that was projected into her disappeared. Who's just standing here? And 
when he felt cut into almost, like this horrible, horrible pain of rejection and being ejected and part of him disappearing, he couldn't put any of it into words. It's just one bad feeling. And when a person has a great big bad feeling and they have no real idea why, they really don't. Like if someone has amnesia and suddenly they're standing in the supermarket when they were just sitting at their desk. And they panic, and then their mind will form a confabulation because of that big bad feeling. And the confabulation might be, oh, I just came to the supermarket to get some bread. I forgot, you know, whatever. So Mm -hmm. he will form a confabulation. You're trying to be right. You hate me. You don't know what you're talking about. You just want to argue. He will form a confabulation to explain the big bad feeling of her showing up as a whole separate person with no room for his projection. Oh, I, 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 hope, I hope so many people hit the pause button right now and are just digesting that because mm. it's either going to fit themselves or a person in their lives where they realize that's why I feel like there's no room for me. And I, I think mm. you worded it just perfectly. Wow, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I do I do hope everyone who hears this is is going to uh, make the effort to read everything. And I do want to say right now, while somebody might be thinking about buying one of the books or looking at my site, whatever, um, keep it all private. Your privacy, if you're a male or female victim, if you've been targeted with verbal abuse, do not share any of this until you are ready. And that would be when you do a, a complete, you know, confront him in a in a venue where there is at least one witness. Uh, because if you do, if you start to share this, oh, I know what you're doing. You're just, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, everything, if he sees one of the books, uh, the verbally abusive relationship, for instance, or controlling people, it will all be used against you. Yeah all be used against you you're, it yeah, arms the other person they have more of a vocabulary to say what you're doing a woman was really sick and tired and she said no i don't want to have sex tonight okay <laughs> so um he said now you're withholding that's one of the categories mm-hmm. of verbal abuse right he'd, he'd read the book so he could start applying all these things to her and so it's it's important to have privacy really important well, and that means your own stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah and your safety has to be considered because one might say well he's never pushed or hit me you know he did break a few things and punch a hole in the wall but he didn't hit me okay so i feel okay but um, if you ever are planning to go this brings up another safety issue if you're ever planning to leave the relationship uh walk away or file for divorce whatever especially if you're anything don't go when no one's around go to a safe place do not let anyone know where you are and then be in a safe place if you're filing for divorce be in a safe place when he served because to give him a heads up mm-hmm. uh especially you know and i this could go either way i'm trying not to be prejudiced against men who are targeted by women but it's a very very small percent over 25 years you know it's about two or three percent 
uh, so I'm using the he here. But um, if he knows where you are, he could be stalking you. Um, if he knows ahead of time that you're planning to get a divorce, he could tell everyone he knows and all your relatives that you're absolutely crazy and all this crazy weird stuff that make up all kinds of things about you. So when you file, it'll be like, well, you were crazy. That's why you filed. You know, he can turn everyone against you. He can make plans. And then there's all custody issues. So pe people should call me for a consultation if they're planning anything from, uh, you know, confronting him or from leaving because there's a lot of things to know and I don't I don't want to spend all the time on that one issue but, no, but there are a lot of things and you're talking mm -hmm. about evaluating rational versus irrational yes yeah and okay. so behavior that puts you down that defines you in a negative way that's what we call verbal abuse telling you what you are and think and feel and so forth because no one knows that. They're not you. Unless you've told them, I feel really tired, then I might say, oh, you're really tired. You know, but um, we can't tell somebody. Uh, there are, are uh, spouses who have actually said, you're not, when someone's sick, and, oh, I'm sick, i dizzy, i got to lay down. You're not sick. Yeah. <laughs> They'll actually tell them you're not sick. And so uh, it, it's really, it isn't. It's funny in that it's absolutely strange, but it's not funny. But I can't help but think of some of these things that, that people have heard from their husband that defines them. That's just nonsense. Well, I... So, sorry. It's hard. Mm -hmm, go ahead. Well, I really like the example that you used. And actually, the first thing that popped into my head when you used the sick example is actually parents. And that's something mm. I know in a lot mm -hmm. of people's childhood where the parent would say, you're not hurt, you're not sick. Um, oh, suck gosh, it yeah. And so we, we learn to accept that type of verbal abuse, and we think that's a normal part of a relationship, is someone yes, else knowing yes. us. And there are a few people I've consulted to, well, a lot have had uh, problems from their parents, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and then I've consulted to people who have a parent who, especially in this case, it can be a mother, who absolutely cannot see or hear the real child. They tell them what they're thinking, what they need to do, what they're doing, what what whether they're listening they you know that they just erase that child over and over and over and over oh, at their awareness yeah mm -hmm. that's a good and then it's real hard yeah so then they need you know help yeah now patricia can we um just for the sake of listeners because we kind of dove right in here can we mm -hmm. step back and have you go over the 15 types of verbal abuse you've written well, I wrote that 25 years ago. It's on um, page 81, <laughs> and I can, I, can list, okay. I can list them for you. Why don't you list them for me? Okay, yeah. I will. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, okay. That's a great idea. I'm glad you're doing that. Go so this you. is the Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans, and it says on the cover how to recognize it and how to respond. And this actually is your third edition. On page 81, the categories of verbal abuse, withholding, countering, discounting, verbal abuse disguised as jokes, blocking and diverting, accusing and blaming, judging and criticizing, trivializing, undermining, threatening, name-calling, forgetting, ordering, denial, and abusive anger. 
So she, you've listed them, but can mm-hmm. we just kind of go through? So give her one, yeah, and I'll, then we can, yeah. we can yeah, sort of if help. I can give you an example. Yeah. Oh, I'd love info. to. Mm-hmm. But Patricia, mm-hmm. the, the one that really sung to me a whole lot, and I see a lot with clients, is withholding. So can you give a couple of examples of how yeah. people can withhold and how that's a form of a c- control? Yes, it really is a form of control. Uh, one form of withholding is simply just to not respond. To not respond um, or say, oh, you already know, you know, when somebody says, oh, like, did you see if the mail came? Just no answer. That's a, a way of withholding. Another way of withholding is um, if you're, if a partner comes up and wants to give you a hug and the person who's being hugged just turns and walks away and just ignores, withholds, even affection or just a, uh, looking up or, or plans to keep reading something or playing a game on a computer uh, when their partner is trying to talk to them. They can be very withholding. One of the things if I hear uh, from a client when I do consults, uh, if I hear that, that uh, there is a great deal of withholding, then I ask a few questions to see if this spouse might have Asperger's. Because Asperger's, people who have Asperger's are not inclined to be very responsive, are often work in a solo kind of way, uh, may, will, may not appear to, uh, to be engaging at any mm-hmm. real time and to not really look you in the eye or mm-hmm. to just divert and to not seek social contact and all those things. So it is a very uh, good idea to look into that, and there's some uh, real good little quizzes on the Internet so you can look up Asperger's test and see if, answer it like you were this person and notice, wow, yeah, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and answer it like you were this person. And then you can see if this is slightly Asperger's or very Asperger's. So sometimes that can be uh, a factor. That's the only thing I look out for, when the main thing, when it comes to withholding. But that is, uh, and no, no response, no, that's great, or, oh, you won an award, you know. That withholding is just like, it doesn't mean anything. You don't even exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about forgetting? Yeah, it never happened. Are you kidding? We never had that conversation. Mm. Well, I don't remember anything like that. You know, and just it's a continual denial in a way. It's just using, oh, I forgot. Uh, oh, you didn't tell me. I don't remember anything like that. Are you making it up? You know, mm. so if you try to confront somebody in that way about something that's occurred, they'll just say that never even happened or I forgot or uh, I don't remember promising you that. I do tell people when you're in a relationship and there's an agreement, you know, I'll pick up milk on the way home or I'll, uh, you know, whatever, bring the mail in when I come. Uh Write it on a post-it note and initial it and ask the other person to initial it. So you know you have an agreement there. And they can't say, oh, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot, you know. But they always forget that they said rude things. They don't even, Mm -hmm. they always say they don't remember them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Countering? Yeah, countering. Now, countering shows up in a pretty large percentage of relationships, not in every one. But when it shows up, it can be extreme. In other words, there is just nothing you can express that isn't countered. Like, oh, it's clouds are coming in. I think it's going to change. The weather's going to be changing. There's not that many clouds. Wow, that was a really good restaurant. I like that dinner. I've been to a lot better. Uh, 
gee, uh, mm-hmm. I hope our kids get into uh, college. Well, they'll do whatever they want. No matter what you say, whatever you say, it'll be hit with a negative. Mm-hmm. That's it, countering. Okay. And that one pretty much is, is to shut you up and stop you from it's thinking. It's to silence you. It's to silence you. Any sign that you show up as a real person, and I, I believe that it's primarily to silence you. You're not thinking what he's thinking, and being his projection at the moment, you're coming up with an independent, totally you perspective on something or a thought. And when you express it, then it will be countered to silence you and to actually negate what you said because, after all, you're not being the projection that you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, discounting? Yeah, discounting. Oh, that's like trivializing. Discounting and trivializing is mm-hmm. is just oh, you're just making a big deal out of it. That's nonsense. That doesn't you know, that's silly. What do you have to bring that up for? That was nothing. You're too sensitive. Those are ways that people discount, you know, the the experience that a person has that's been very wounding. And they try to bring it up, you know, like this really, I really felt bad when whatever. And the other one, the mate will discount the whole thing. Oh, you're making a big deal out of it or you don't feel that way. You're just trying to, you know, get back mm-hmm. at me or something. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. got another one here, blocking and diverting. Yeah, and that's quite similar too. Well, blocking is refusing really to answer or changing the subject immediately or saying, well, you do all these kinds of things all the time. You're you're always late and you're always breaking agreements and you're always, and they'll go on and on and on. And, and you can't remember a time when any of this happened. So mm-hmm. it's very, very similar stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it and makes sense. Sorry. Patricia. Yeah, one one of the things that's not on that list, I don't think, is interrogation. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I do think I should mention that while we're doing this stuff, yeah. if that's okay. Um, okay, if you're interrogated, that means that you're asked a question like, "Oh, where'd you go?" and you start to think, "Were you at the store? Did you get to the clinic?" You're hearing a series of questions uh, that you can. You're still trying to answer the first question. And you're hearing a second question. Mm-hmm. Or it could revolve around uh, who'd you talk to, why were you talking to them, you know, and you're, there's so many questions. As soon as you hear that second one, as soon as you realize this is another interrogation, especially because it will be a pattern in this relationship, not everyone, but if it is, then you just say, oh, sweetheart, darling, please write down your questions and I'll get back to you later. Then walk away. You do not have to answer a series of interrogating questions. Oh, I like that you, you're you saying right there that you have permission to take time for yourself. To be, to be yourself and to figure out what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have rights. You have the right to privacy, the right to happiness, the right to making your own choices, the right to time for yourself. And uh, very often in these kind of relationships, uh, the partner will give and give and give and give and give. Give all the time and all the energy and all the thought and all the house management, all sorts of things, um, just trying to make it all nice and make it all work. But it's very uh, detrimental to be in a relationship like this. It can make you physically sick. Uh, one of the things that comes up a lot is something called fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Oh, Have you too. heard of that? Oh, yeah. yes. 
Yeah, it's people who've been, uh, women at least, who've been in long-term abusive situations, maybe from a family member and then a spouse, um, they are most inclined to have fibromyalgia. It's like, I don't know, I can't say why, but it's definitely a pre, you know, verbal abuse is a precursor to it. And uh, I believe, just uh, my educated guess would be that there's, they're holding attention in their muscles, in their body, trying to uh, be prepared to walk on eggshells, to be braced for the next thing, to do the right thing. They're tense, 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 until they're so tense, their muscles kind of freeze up and they're all sore. There you go, fibromyalgia. This is Mm -hmm. something that we deal with in our practice as energy healers and medical intuitives, where Uh when our our clients are sitting here and, and listeners will know, They've been in our chair and we can see the fibromyalgia and the different diseases in the body and we say it's coming from wow. verbal abuse and here are your tools and that's where your name comes up yeah. and your books are, you know, written <laughs> oh, down. Oh, gosh. And, yeah. and Thank you, you. Yeah, you are their homework because you are that step and, and one of mm-hmm. the authors that is a step in that journey to, to healing those cells. Yeah, thank you. That's a great idea. Yes, that's right. I know you're medical intuitives, and you would know what fibromyalgia is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, so this is a very good, you know, to, and I do believe in, in, um, uh, I don't know exactly much about energy healing, but I know that that a very positive energy sent to somebody, uh, you know, makes a difference in their life. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference. Very, very nice. Yeah. So, uh, Patricia, uh, I like in the mm-hmm. book in the book how you will give lists. You are very much a list person, and you will help people identify by your lists the things that mm-hmm. that the abuser can do or say, and then you mm-hmm. give other lists of what can be said back as a response to mm-hmm. stop the abuse or to put the person who's being abused in a position to see it. Because I think one of the difficult things when you're in it is the difficulty to see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very hard when somebody's in it, you know, because everything seems normal for about 10 minutes, and then uh, and then you walk in to say dinner's almost ready, and then something happens, and it doesn't seem normal. And then you walk out, it seems normal. And it's so hard to tell what in the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, women primarily get very, very confused. And uh, so uh, there's some things that can be done. Uh, You can be, if you're in a one-party state, that means in the U.S., that, um, and you can just just put in, like, California, one-party or two-party state, or just one-party, two-party state in a Google search, or province, or wherever you are. And then the... uh, you'll see that what that means is a one-party state means if you're in a conversation with someone, only one of you has to know it's being recorded. And a two-party state means that both of you, California is a two-party state. Mm -hmm. So if I were to record someone, um, that's why many of the you call almost any business, and they will often say this call will be recorded for quality assurance purposes. Yeah, so so a two party, and what I was surprised to see is, it's about fifty 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 or or thirty seventy. You know, a large portion are are one party states, a large number of states. That surprised me, because I looked it up for a couple of clients and uh, to see. So if you're in uh, looking up 
one party, two party province, or maybe all of Canada is two party. I, I think I heard that once. So yes. that means both people have to know that there's a recording going on. And so if you wanted to record what happened, you would just have to um, say, uh, hey, uh, when you come in the room, I'm going to turn this on because I don't want to forget what you say and turn it on. And you may never have to hear him speak again if it's always on when he comes in the room. Because... (laughs) (laughs) Here's another tool. Yeah, Yeah, it's another tool. It is a tool. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're in a a one-party state, there are little tiny... Uh, things you can put on a chain. It looks like part of a necklace, and it will. They have on-off buttons and record, uh, you know, by sound, and you can record that way. So there's, um, you know, there's those kind of tools. But I, I recall recently talking with a woman who said um, she made a, a recording, um, in, and you, you know, if somebody does it secretly, it's not. It's just not viable in court, and they can't really get after you. But she played it for her spouse, and he was shocked that he said all the things he said. He was really shocked when he heard his own voice. So there's a certain amount of disassociation, I think, that often occurs. Uh, They just get so mad they don't remember what they said, and they get so mad when you haven't done anything but show up as a real person, Mm -hmm. and suddenly their projection was supposed to be doing something else. So it's real strange. Patricia... Um, are mm-hmm. you the person who wrote in one of your books about backwards training? Um, yeah, I wrote about, well, uh, backwards connection. Yes. Uh, can connected you talk, backwards. Yes, can yeah, you talk if you're about connected, that? Yeah, I call it backwards because everything seems to get turned around in conversations. But when, when a person's connected in a backwards way, they're connected really through, if you just imagine it's two stick figures facing each other on this big board, you know, uh, just for fun, just to draw, you know, and you'd see an arrow go from one person's mind into the uh, head and down into the other person. They're projecting into that person. A real connection is heart to heart. It's through empathy. Mm-hmm. It's through understanding. Uh, it's 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 a heart to heart connection, and so when they're connected in a backwards way, they're connected through an idea in their own head of without really realizing it. This is coming out of their unconscious. Then mm-hmm. then they project the whole gestalt of lost self into their partner, because they will have lost their warm, receptive, nurturing, emotionally intelligent, intuitive self. And that and their abilities to be receptive and nurturing and all the things they missed in childhood. Because I've never seen uh, a male who verbally abuses who wasn't abused in childhood. Oh, and I think that's so important for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're disconnected. Like, uh, I open the book Controlling People, which I'm encouraging reading, is I open that with a, a kid is three or four years old trying to keep up with his dad, and he, he falls down and skins his knee, and he starts to cry. Crying is so important because it releases all the, the pain. It's like popping a blister, you know. It releases it. So he's starting to cry, and he hears, you're not hurt. Wow, what's that on my knee? He starts disconnecting from his sensate awareness. Mm -hmm. And he hears, you know, you got nothing to cry about. And he feels, boy, I can't, you know, uh, 
feel anything. I'm going to block off my feelings. Mm -hmm. This is when these things happen over time, over and over. And then he hears, you're just trying to get attention. You're causing a scene and trying to get attention. If he hears that, it's like, wow, um, I thought, I didn't know I was doing that. And he doesn't trust himself. He never looks within again. So now three of his functions are partially disabled. We only have four functions. All human beings on planet Earth, thinking, feeling, and emotion, sensate, our senses, and intuition. That's it. Three of them. So he's becoming a psychological paraplegic uh, without knowing it. His father is teaching him, or his mother, teaching him to disconnect from his feelings and not to express them and not to notice them and not to look within and not to even notice what his intuition might tell him because he won't even pay any attention. Because after all, he thought he was just being hurt and instead he was told he was causing a scene and trying to get attention and making his father mad. Mm-hmm. So he I, can't trust his intuition either. Mm-hmm. I really love referring to to the verbally abusive relationship and controlling people in that situation, so that partners can understand. Just like what you said, you've never met a man who is verbally abusive that wasn't abused himself. And mm-hmm. then, but also educating that individual, the victim of the verbally abusive that it's not supposed to trigger their fix-it or their good girl syndrome. Oh, is that ever right? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's, you can't make him well. You can't fix him. Mm-hmm. You can't fix him. If he wants to get fixed, you can say, I've heard you say, and read off everything, and, I, and call me so I show you how to do it. Don't use this agreement in my fourth book. Um, it's too long. They can't mm-hmm. stay connected and understand why there has to be a witness because he doesn't hear you unless there's a witness and so on so then you can confront him you can tell him to call me and and if he does he will need a couple years of intensive work he'll need a lot of trauma therapy he'll need to uh, read books he'll need to listen to the audio of the survivor's book about three times the guy called me and said tell him to listen five times because it really comes through then. It starts to get into their head, you know. Yeah. And then uh, he would need to be on the Men Ending Verbal Abuse and Control site. Uh, it's an online men's support group for men ending verbal abuse and control. And Say that so again, Patricia. Slow it down. Me, yeah, the acronym is MEVAC, M-E-V-A-C. And it's Men Ending Verbal Abuse and Control. Thank you. So it's, it's a site for men who are waking up and wanting to change. They can't. I have. I actually, over 20-some years, have not heard of a man being able to change by willpower alone. They mm-hmm. can change dramatically uh, if you pull away. They can say, oh, I'll never hurt you again. I'll never say that again, and all this stuff. They can see you once again through the, this whole gestalt of their lost self. But when you come back, wow, this body's chosen me now. It's an even safer barber. For the rest of me, says they're unconscious. They're not thinking that. They don't know about the projection. But boom, you're now an extension of their psyche even more. So you're riding in a car, and you look, and you're just driving. He's driving, and you're sitting next to your spouse. And he says, wow, the leaves are really changing. You look out your window. He might feel like you just about killed him because his projection was maybe going to look out his window. Mm-hmm. And now your shoulder's kind of turned, and you're looking the other way. And he can start to get angry. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, 
And this is a little bit where you talk about on page 101 in the verbally abusive relationship, the anger addict. Yeah, yeah, there are, and he can be angry, he can be triggered by almost anything, and he feels better after he releases the anger. So he becomes more addicted to that great feeling of getting rid of the anger, and he gets rid of it on his partner, and so it becomes like an addiction. And it's a terrible thing. And then another thing is somebody could be very abused and realize it and, and leave. It could be just a long-term relationship, not even a marriage, no kids. And so they go. And then and then he will say, oh, I'll never do this. I, I love you so much and all this wonderful stuff. And she'll come back. And then it'll happen again. And she'll go. And then he'll say, I'm so sorry. And this becomes can be like an addiction because when he says, I said the wrong thing, I'm sorry, I should never have said that. You're right, I'm wrong. When he, she hears all that, it's like, wow, like a shot of heroin would probably be. You know, it's like mm-hmm. relief. Oh, oh, he understands. It's all okay. And so she goes back. Yeah. And then he has just... With, had withdrawn the projection because it's, the body's gone. But when she comes back, he reprojects into her more deeply because, after all, she's chosen me now, he thinks, mm-hmm. in his unconscious. Mm-hmm. So right. then that's why that cycle occurs. People will say, how could a woman be physically battered and go back and do it two or three times and on average four or five times? Well, that's some st- statistics I've read. Wow. Any In any case... Um, because it's so wonderful when he says everything's okay and she believes him. Yeah. But what she doesn't know is he can't just change by willpower. He has to work through all his childhood trauma to integrate the part of himself that he lost in childhood. He's lost it. That's it. Yeah. What a what a lot of grieving that gets mixed up with all of that anger. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's um yeah, the anger even uh, keeps him from really feeling the sadness that he felt if he was told, you're hopeless, you'll never amount to anything, you're doing everything wrong, you, you know, the kind of thing that some boys hear from their fathers. And instead of lifting them up or saying, can I show you a better way to do that? Or getting permission, you know, and teaching the child, uh, they will destroy that child. And they'll take away... Uh, so much of their themselves that there's just uh, it's it's what creates uh, this this problem in the world, what creates the defining of people and the lying and all abuse in a way is a lie because nobody knows what you are and think and feel and want and need and know nobody can tell you you want to argue nobody can tell you that. If they do say it, it's nonsense completely. If you can think of nothing else to say, you can say nonsense and walk away. So, Patricia, some of the things I'm hearing for the for the abused is that they have to take the time to know that they're allowed to think their own thoughts and to form those. And that's oh, one yes. of the things they need to know because the partner, as you say, projects into them. So quite yeah. often when Kelly and I see clients they come and they sit down and the first thing we hear from their spirit is that they don't even know what they think. 
And typically Mm -hmm. it's presents in, I came to see you because I don't know what to do. I need to know where to go with this career or where's this relationship going. And the spirit world says, it's not that there's so much looking for answers. They're, Mm. they, they're trying to figure out where did their thinking and their ability to think for themselves go. Yeah. Yeah. To think and, and to problem solve, to set goals for themselves uh, all of that can be missing because they've been squelched so many times. Well, just hold it. Sorry. They can't. Yeah, just go ahead. The joys of uh, delayed telephone Skyping. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I like that you likened it to a world, a world issue yeah. because I think about... Oh, you know, yeah. We talk a lot about the spousal relationship and the parental relationship and I think about the amount of men who are involved in sports and that that's the way that coaches are taught to coach. And so it's, you know, if you're not winning, you didn't want it hard enough, which is, Mm. you know, we're told we didn't try hard enough. We didn't desire it enough. We didn't, you know, put in enough effort and it's our fault. Oh yeah. Boy, that is like a great parallel because the women feel somehow if they were just different, if they just tried harder, Mm -hmm. if they just really tried harder, everything would be nice in their relationship. And actually, their spouse's behavior has nothing to do with them. It's aimed at them like a drive-by shooting. It's aimed at them. But but it's not your fault. You can't even make someone verbally abuse you. You might hear something abusive if you kicked them in that place the hardest you could. You might hear you're being a whatever, but um, you can't really make someone talk to you like that. Verbal abuse, you know, that you that women hear all the time. Yeah, you can't make somebody do that. So there, it's nothing to do with you. It's the person's way of connecting to a partner, connecting through a projection and expecting this partner to think what he thinks, know what he wants, and all of it, you know, just to uh, know where she's supposed to stand in the room or whatever. Everything is, uh, he's he's got it all in his head and he doesn't even know that he's not being real and he doesn't know that he's irrational um and he may think he's super rational but all these comments and there's about 400 in the appendix of the fourth book the verbally abusive man can he change there are about 400 samples of abusive comments in that book and I, when I consult to a woman, I ask her to check off everything she's heard, uh, not to do the big agreement in the book, not to type that up, not to do it, because now I find it's much better to keep it very simple. So she types up that list, sends it to me, and I see uh, she may have anywhere from 50 to 200 abusive comments on her list, mm-hmm. or 300 even, if the guy's very extreme. And then, uh, you know, I'm able to show her, What's going on there? It's uh, it's all irrational. Nobody on this planet knows what you think or feel unless you give permission for a psychic reading. Then you might find a psychic that can read <laughs> what you're thinking, <laughs> and then your wonderful psychic, you know. But you have to give the person permission. You can't, yeah. you know, uh, to know. And so, anyway, it's uh, it's it's amazing that I have heard. I look at the cultures around the world in general it seems that men define themselves as rational primarily over women as more rational than women and actually i have thousands of 
of letters from people with thousands of uh, comments that are all irrational. And so I'm thinking, you know, not to debate between men and women, but um, why would they think they're rational and then come home and tell their partner what she's thinking and how she feels and what she wants and what she knows and what she doesn't know as if he was her and knew. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that silly? Very silly. Well, this brings us to the end of our hour. Unbelievably, it flew by. And we we really want to thank you. Patricia, is there a possibility that you could consider doing another podcast show with us? Well, maybe uh, in a few months, some months down the road, uh, you know, so that there'll be a new audience for they'll have heard it all once for me. And <laughs> the first one. <laughs> and, and what we'd like yeah. to do, though, too, is to ask mm-hmm. you out of the books, because we do have people that follow Kelly in reading. Would you like to pick a book or two, even at the end afterwards, and you can give them to Kelly and she can post them for people. Now, we've encouraged them today to get the verbally abusive relationship and controlling people. Um, mm-hmm. Did you want to go back to the second book? Because you had yeah, mentioned. I think I'd love people um, to read Verbal Abuse Survivors Speak Out okay. for the insights and the strength it will give them. Okay. And they're trusting their intuition. That would be a, a really good one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good yeah. We can do that. And then even if this, right. this airs, you know, like your second show six months or a year from now, that mm-hmm. give people time to read the books. Because I do want to, I, I always say to clients when they come back and say after a weekend, oh, I read the book. And I say, well, you couldn't have if you read it in a weekend. You, you need mm-hmm. to, time to digest, to work the books to go through mm. and do activities and to do your checklists and, and sit stuff. down and cry. Oh yeah, and feel all of this. Yeah, yes, I know. There are women who say I could read. I read part of the first book, but I'm still trying to process it. Yes. And then I'm going to go on. Yeah, and for for many, it's like a long process, or they'll they'll spend a year. Yeah. Actually, a few women have spent up to a year reading a little bit at a time. And, thinking about it and processing it because it's just so painful to realize that your own spouse doesn't isn't capable even of seeing you with empathy and kindness and and uh and all it's just really very difficult very difficult well we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and we definitely look forward to whenever you decide to return Oh, yes. thank you, thank Ke- you Kelly and Karen, yeah. or Karen and Kelly. Yeah, I've lost track. <laughs> okay. Thank you <laughs> very much, so much, Patricia. Okay, and I'll look look for the the next info from you. Okay, Wonderful. thank you so much. So, okay. uh, everyone, we always welcome questions or comments after our podcast shows. You can email oh, us yeah. at info at com, and we will talk to you next Saturday.